Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Now that all the commercials are over, as someone once told me, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to pull away from our series and just kind of do a standalone this morning of something I'd like to share with you. I love more than anything. I Obviously, I preach a lot of passages, a lot of doctrine, a lot of stories, a lot of this, a lot of that. My favorite thing to preach above all else, and I think it should be as a Christian, is simply preaching Jesus and preaching his life and preaching his story. And this morning we're going to do that. We'll start in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being short... Or a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You know, there are certain stories that we are so familiar with, aren't we? There are certain stories that we know like the back of our hand. There are certain stories that are even so famous in Scripture, they weren't being turned into a song. How many of you, from as far back as you remember, remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he? That's the great classic Vacation Bible School song. And it's, it's possible... It's possible, if we're not careful, that we can become so familiar with a story that we it, we tend to just see it on the surface and move on. Oh, I know the story of Zacchaeus. Yeah, a little guy up in a tree. Jesus called him down. Everything was great. Move on to the next story. It's easy to get comfortable with certain passages because we've heard them our whole life. So I want us to take a passage that many of us, all of us been, uh, probably, are comfortable with and know, and I want us to slow down a little bit, and I want us to look at it, and I want us to, to, to try to find something new in it this morning, maybe something you've never thought of this morning. So let's start with the characters. We're going to talk about three different characters in this story this morning. The first is the most obvious, and it is the man Zacchaeus. Now let's describe Zacchaeus for just a minute. When we sing our song, Zacchaeus is known as what? A wee little man. But before you get to the fact that he was short, Scripture tells us a couple of other things about him. Scripture, the first thing he tells us that that Luke writes is he was a chief tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. What does that mean? Well, he collected taxes. Yeah, that's what that meant. But here is a little bit deeper in that. He was, he was an Israelite. 
He was a Jew. God, Jesus calls him at the end. He was a son of Abraham. And what he had done, what he had done is, if you will, he had sold out for the money. He had sold out to the Roman government and said, yeah, if you need someone to collect this money to, to, to give back to the government, I'll be the guy that'll do that. And then he had, he had climbed the ladder. He just wasn't a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, which would have meant he was kind of over a region. He was over an area and he had guys that worked under him. And, and the way this worked is they would tell him, hey, look, we need X. You need to get X amount of money from these people. And then if you can get anything else out of them, Keep it. That's fine. Whatever you get above this is yours. That's how you're going to make your living. Now imagine your best friend, or maybe someone that used to be your best friend, he comes and knocks on your door and he says, Today, you owe me your car, your TV, and your brand new boat. Now some of you are thinking, well, they'll never knock on my door and ask for that because I don't have any of those. But pretend with me for just a minute, okay? They come and they ask for some of your most prized possessions, the things you love the most. And you go, now, now wait a second. That's, that, Zach, I, I'm, I'm not sure I can... You want to argue with me about it? Well, I've got these four soldiers here that if, if you have a complaint, you can file it with them. How do you figure people really felt about Zacchaeus? You know, it just wasn't that he was a tax collector. He had sold himself out to the enemy, to the, to, to the, to the establishment of the people of Israel hated so much. And then the next thing that it says about him is not only was he a chief tax collector, but he was what? He was wealthy. He was wealthy. He had, at least I, I think you can read into the story, he had allowed himself to be driven and to be governed and to be led by 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 more. By more. You, you know what I mean by that? I've got this, but I want what? I want more. I've got enough, but I want more. And then you get more and you think, oh, I can still have more. You know, that's not a whole lot different than the society that we live in, is it? Our society teaches you to, to, to never be satisfied that you need more. You've got to have more. You've got to have the next thing. You, you buy these, I left, I guess I left mine in the pew. You, you buy these new iPhones. You buy these new phones, these new tablets, and they come out with a new one in like six months, three months after you buy one. There's a brand new one that comes out. And in our mind, we're like, oh, mine's already outdated. I need something more. I need something different. I need something better. They've, they've created that within us to feel that way. And if we're not careful, we become like Zacchaeus, and we're driven by what we want, not by what we need. And that's going to always pull us away from God. So Zacchaeus, in many ways, is not a whole lot different than us. He's a guy that's focused on the here and now. He's a guy that's letting his desires drive him. He is a guy that, if we get on down the story to the part that we remember, he doesn't really measure up, does he? He's a wee little man. And we're the same way. Maybe not in stature, some of us, but physically or spiritually. Romans 3 says, Paul writes these words, For all have sinned and fall, what? Short of the glory or of the standard of God. At, at, at my, my grandparents' house in Waterloo, at the back door, and I'm sure it's still there. It may not be. It's, it's been a while since I've been there. But for my whole life, there was a spot on the back door where my, where my paw would measure us as we grew. 
And I finally hit six foot. My goal in life was to be taller than Paul. Paul was six two. And so my whole life, I, his mark's way, way up here on this door facing. And, you know, every year I'm getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. But yet never in my life did I ever reach his mark. And, you know, spiritually we're the same way. Spiritually, we're the same way. It doesn't matter what we do. When we come up to the door facing of God, Jesus' mark will always be so much further above ours. And we have to remember, we have to realize that on our own, by ourselves, we never measure up to the standard of God. Now, we're going to bring this full circle here in a few minutes. But we have to remember that. That by ourselves, we are nothing Only with God do we succeed in this life. There's something else about Zacchaeus that I, that I like and I I find interesting, and that is the fact that he's looking for something. He's looking for something. You, you, you get from this story that, that, that he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about the things that he's done. He's heard about the things that he's been teaching. I would imagine that if you heard about someone coming through town and the stories are revolving around them has to do with healing people and driving demons out, hey, when he comes into town, you're going to want to check him out. But I believe in Zacchaeus' heart, he's looking for something. He's got all that this world has to offer Yet he's still willing to go look and search for Jesus. He was a desperate man. He was a desperate man. You know how I know he was a desperate man? Because verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. Now let me ask you something. How many of you adults make it a regular everyday habit To run and climb trees. Desperate people run, right? Now, now there's a few of you that, there's a few of you that run for pleasure and run for different things like that. As you can see, I'm obviously not one of those people. But for the most part, if I'm running, you need to run too. Because there's something coming. If I'm climbing a tree, guess what you probably need to do as well? You need to climb it with me. Because desperate people do desperate things. And we usually get to a point in our life that the only reason we run, the only reason that we climb trees is because someone in front of us is hurt or something behind us is coming to get us. But he does both. He does something desperate to see Jesus because he was looking for something And just like Zacchaeus, we need to be looking as well. We need to be looking as well. So there's Zacchaeus. There's our first character in this story. The second character we see is obviously Jesus. Jesus has a great part in this story. The most important part in this story because only Jesus can offer salvation. But as you look at the the big picture, not just the, 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 the specific story, but as you look at the big picture of the life of Jesus, where is Jesus going He's coming through Jerusalem, but where is he headed to? Jericho. I'm sorry, he's headed, he comes through, through Jericho, but he's heading to Jerusalem. What's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem? What's going to happen this time? 
He's going to be crucified. And he knows that. He's got a lot on his mind. He's literally carrying the weight of the world on his shoulder. But on his way, we read about two different stories where he stops. One is with Zacchaeus and the other one is a blind man named Bartimaeus. And he stops and he deals with these individual people. Jesus deals with individuals because he knows us. And I think that's important for us to remember. Jesus knows who we are. And he looks at Zacchaeus, and what does he say to Zacchaeus? First words out of his mouth, he calls him by his what? Name. How many things do you think Zacchaeus had been called in life other than his name? Probably a lot, considering what he had done. What does Jesus call him? He calls him his name, Zacchaeus. Our names are so important. Our names are so important. I don't, I'm slowly learning names in this room. I'm, I'm recognizing faces. For the most part now, after five or six weeks, I can tell if you're always here or if you're visiting with us for the most part. I still might mess that up a little bit. But names are important. I saw an interview one time with a guy named Scott. And he did an experiment where for a week he was wanting to see if he could create just a more friendly environment around himself. And so for a week, he wore a name tag that says, Hello, my name is Scott. And he said that week more people called him by name and started conversation with him than any other week of his life. Why? Because when people looked at him, they knew his what? They knew his name. When you know someone's name, you have a connection with them. You, you've crossed that first barrier of, of, of challenge in a relationship because you know their name. You really want to, you really want to throw some people off. Next time you go through the drive-thru at McDonald's or at Taco Bell or Kentucky Fried Chicken or you're at the cash register at the grocery store at Walmart, you know they wear their name tags, right? And when you get through, just look at them and say, Hey, so-and-so, hey, John, hey, Sally, thank you and have a great day. And they're going to look at you real funny because they're going to be like, how do they know my name? I actually had a guy ask me that one time. He goes, how do you know my name? I go, it's on your name tag. He goes, it is, isn't it? But knowing people's name is important. Jesus knows your name. He knows you. He understands who you are. He understands the struggles you have. He understands the difficulties you face. He knows you on an individual level. As a matter of fact, Isaiah writes these words in chapter 43 and verse 1 of his book, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. He's talking from God here. He says, I have called you by name. You are mine. God knows your name. And He is calling Himself your Father this morning. But not only does He know your name, He knows what you need. He knows that you need a relationship. Now, most people standing around Zacchaeus when He goes, Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. If you were to, if you were to take a poll of everybody that was standing around and, uh, and said, Hey, uh, what do you think Zacchaeus needs right here? They're probably going to think he needs to learn a lesson. That's what he needs to learn. He needs to learn a lesson. There's a lot of moments in our life. I've had some moments like that where, where I've been privy to some things that are going on in the church. 
and, and some situations that, that, that are taking place, not necessarily here yet, but, but in other places. And, and I've been asked by our leaders at this, uh, at this particular congregation, Matthew, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on, on how to handle this and deal with this? And it was a, a very challenging situation. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I kind of had that they need to be taught a lesson mentality. And boy, was I wrong. Because if they had followed my advice, we could have lost a church family. Instead, our elders, they took the relationship approach. And they went and sat and visited with them a few times. And then eventually got into a conversation about what they were struggling with. And I see Jesus doing the same thing. I see Jesus doing the same thing. He looks at Zacchaeus. And he says, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. I want to get to know you. I, I, I want to have a conversation with you, not, not just about what's happened in the past, but what can happen in the future. I, I, I want to just to get to know you. And look at the response. What did everybody say? And this is one of my favorite criticisms of Jesus in all of Scripture, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Can we say amen to that this morning? Can we say it with a little more enthusiasm? See, if Jesus didn't want to be a guest of a sinner, there would be no hope for me. There would be no hope for you. And that is so great that he wants to have a relationship with us. And not just a relationship. He wants us to understand that he does not see us as how we are, but how we can become. One of the most challenging things in Scripture for me used to be the idea that Scripture tells me to be holy because God is holy. Now, that, how many of you think that sounds like a tall order? Be holy. How many of you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and go, I am holy, thank you, Lord? Anybody? Nobody? How many of you tend to look at the mirror and wonder, how could God love me? How many of you look in the mirror and go, man, I've got a lot to fix in my life. But you know, if God tells us to be holy, then you know what we can be? We can be holy. He's not going to ask us to do anything that we can accomplish. So that then makes me think, how do I become holy? Well, you see, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but I think this is important for us to understand. God has created us as a threefold being. He has given us a body, a soul, and a spirit. It is our soul that gives us complications. It is our soul that we see that causes us problems. But you see, when we become a child of God and the Spirit of God intertwines with the Spirit that He gave us, when Jesus looks at us, when God looks at us, He doesn't see our soul. He sees the holiness of our spirit because we've been immersed in the Spirit of God. That's how we're holy. He wants you to understand that it's not the bad that you've done that holds you back. Maybe it's, it's, it's not really giving in to the Spirit of God that wants to spring you forward. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to become more in your life. And I know that we can. And I know that you can. And Zacchaeus does that. Zacchaeus has a three-word, three-sentence, three-line conversation with Jesus here. And he jumps down out of the tree and he starts giving all this stuff away. Anybody else interested in doing that this morning? See, what that tells me, though, is when you encounter Jesus for real, it changes your life in such a drastic way no one will ever recognize you as that old person ever again. 
That's the effect Jesus has on our life. So two characters so far. There's Zacchaeus. There's Jesus. And then there's the third. The tree. The tree plays a very important role in this story. And this is what I'm going to leave you with this morning. Because let's let's just be real. Let's be truthful. Some of you read that story. and, And this is not a bad thing. Some of you read the story. And you say, you know what? I'm not a Zacchaeus. I'm right with God. I'm doing what I need to do. Okay? Everything in my life is, is, is for the most part, is in the right direction. Everything in my life is about God. You're here. You're involved. You do what you're supposed to do. Okay? Now, you're not a Jesus either. Some of us have a Jesus complex. Any of you, and I used to be this way, I've changed a lot, but I used to be the guy who think I could solve everybody's problem. Any of you that way, you like to solve people's problems? You know, we have a Jesus complex. We can't always solve these problems. It's not our job. If you're not like this, you're not Jesus, you know what you need to be in your life? You need to be a tree. That tree had one job. What was that tree's job? To hold Zacchaeus up so that he could see Jesus. And that's what God is calling you to do. Is to simply hold people up above the crowd, above the noise, above the craziness of life, so that they can simply see Jesus. And if you can show people Jesus, you can save their soul. So who are you this morning? Are you a Zacchaeus that needs to have that conversation, that needs to regain that relationship? Or are you true? And then if you're not in the great tree, maybe you need to grow, maybe you need more, more, more encouragement, more nourishment to really truly be that way. But I encourage you to take that next step and just start lifting people up so they can see Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer in our time together. God, thank you so much for all you give us, for all you do, for the love that you show us. We thank you for the story this morning that is so familiar to us, God, yet it's so powerful. May we always strive to lift people up for you. May we be, may we be just an example. May we be a rock of people. May we be a tree that they can climb and see your side. God, we my kids that are in the room this morning, help them to see you. Help them to notice you and to recognize you. Help us all to encounter you in such a way that our life changes so dramatically. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. 
with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.